0: Adam Walker Cleveland is the husband of Sarah and the father of Caleb. Adam and Sarah's twins, Micah and Judah, were born just before 20 weeks gestation. They lived for about an hour. Adam blogs about fatherhood, grief, joy, all the things that go along with little ones at DazedDad.com. Adam is also an associate pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Ashland, Oregon, He's involved in the emerging church movement, a writer, a theologian, and a social media buff. All activities he blogs about at pomomusings.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Parenting Reimagined. This is Parenting Reimagined. A place where the conversation goes beyond what we do as parents, and we take the time to consider what parenting teaches us, how it transforms us, and what being parents means for the landscape of our inner lives. I am Sherry Walling. would you begin by introducing yourself and saying a bit about your family?
1: So uh, yeah, so I'm Adam. Uh, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, went to college at Whitworth University and spent a few years getting into youth ministry while I was uh, then out of college and living in a tiny rural town in southern Idaho after a few years there and spent three years in Princeton Seminary in Princeton, New Jersey, and one year down at Columbia Theological Seminary uh, in Decatur, Georgia. My wife and I met during that time, during seminary, and we, uh, Sarah and I got married. She was a student at Columbia Seminary. So we, we finished school and moved out to the Bay Area. She got involved working on her PhD. Uh, so she's doing a PhD in Christian spirituality. And after a, a short stint that I had working at an Apple retail store, which was uh, a a wonderful job for someone who's kind of a tech geek like I am. Um, I spent about three and a half years doing youth and young adult ministry out in Livermore, California. And uh, so we just recently moved to Ashland, Oregon, about a year and a half ago. I got ordained as a Presbyterian minister. And so I've been here as an associate pastor, figuring out how to balance life as a minister. And as a father, our son, uh, Caleb, is 15 months old. And I uh, was born about a month after we moved uh, up here, so we had some major life transitions happening all at one time. So that's my my family is my my wife Sarah, my son uh, Caleb, and our, our uh, lab pit bull mix Sadie.
0: Sounds like life is full.
1: It is full. It is full. Our ministry is, is fun and exciting, uh, but it's you know it's it's ministry, so it's uh, it can be pretty time consuming as well. And and I I do enjoy uh, blogging. Uh, a lot. I do website design and my wife and I love watching, love watching TV. So, you know, some of our, some of my favorite shows are uh, The Walking Dead and Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, True Blood, Mad Men, all those good shows that all pastors uh, should watch.
0: Well, they're all about antiheroes, aren't they? Right. <laughs> <laughs> ambiguous people. Right. Will you blog regularly? at daysdad.com about your adventures with caleb and you guys seem to have a lot of fun i especially liked the the recent pictures of you wearing exactly the same outfit
1: yeah uh so ever since he was born you know we, we were taking those month month shots and we had a little fun with this last one because i just bought him a pair of black converse uh, high tops the uh, chuck taylor's and so uh, i had the same pair and we figured or i figured gosh um we should just try and dress alike. And so Caleb held his iPad saying that he was 15 months old. And I held my iPad saying I was, I forget what it was, maybe 395 months old, I think maybe.
0: What are you enjoy most about being a father?
1: You know, a lot of it is just, a lot of it's the normal stuff. Um, The first time that he, that he ever smiled at me was just amazing. (laughs) The first time that he, that we heard him laugh and, and man he can he can really laugh now and so just uh just wrestling with him tickling him you know we had this our routine every other night is bath night and and uh so we had this little game now that after his bath we put his little towel on him and he runs around the house naked for a while um but we we realized a really fun game was that he likes to run at you and then you can throw the towel over his head and then he just wanders around the house bumping into walls and falling and and giggling and running and trying to attack me and uh and and he's really into uh giving kisses now and so he he basically kisses on command which is a, which is kind of fun and uh you know i i think it's just it's just such an amazing thing to see uh a child grow up before your eyes and to see see who he's becoming and to watch those changes yeah and 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 i think too just just getting to hang out with him saturdays and mondays are are my days with Caleb and and where I do my best to try and give Sarah some time to work on her, on her schoolwork. And so we just, you know, we go on adventures. He loves going to Costco. So.
0: (laughs) Well, Costco is pretty awesome.
1: It it is pretty awesome. And I think, you know, it's just, he just loves walking around and pushing the cart. And um, a few weeks ago, uh, I I forgot to bring the diaper bag with me, uh, which I've done on occasion. I've never had a problem before, but man, uh, we had some issues uh, on the way going to Costco. So anyway, it, it ended up that we had to run into Costco to buy him a whole new set of clothes, and then we had to rush over to Safeway and and, and buy some diapers and wipes because of course I forgot those. And so th- this our fun day ended up with, uh, with with me in the front parking spot of a Safeway uh, with the with the the trunk open and a naked baby. Lying there getting his diaper changed uh, covered with maple, maple sugar glaze because I decided to buy him a, a donut in Safeway to make the diaper changing experience a little bit better. So it was awesome. It was awesome. I had a lot of moms and, and older women walking by watching this whole scene play out and getting a lot of uh, empathetic looks uh, from people.
0: I think you're ahead as long as you don't also have to buy yourself a new change of clothes. That
1: is true. I have not encountered that yet, Um, but
0: I should probably knock on wood for that. One of the things that you have written about is not only the joy of being a father and all the fun and crazy adventures you have with your son, but one of the sort of main themes of your blog is actually about loss. Mm And you blog about um, losing a set of twins, and I wonder if you would be willing to talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. That's a that's a huge part of uh, of our story now, and not anything that we, you know, I don't I don't think anyone ever expects to uh, to lose children, uh, but yeah, we, we were pregnant back in in two thousand ten. We found out that we were pregnant uh, in Hawaii when we were on vacation, and uh, it was just a wonderful, you know, joyful surprise. And we uh, ended up going into. She had kind of a rough. Sarah had kind of a rough pregnancy in the beginning, so we ended up going to the doctor early on, and uh, they did an ultrasound and and uh, found out that actually we were pregnant with twins, which is not something that really runs in either of our families, and so it was just. we didn't really know what to make of that, and we kind of freaked out at first. And that's actually when I started the blog "Dazed Dad" because I figured, gosh, if I'm going to have twins running around, uh, I certainly am going to be a dazed dad. So uh, we we made it uh, almost 20 weeks into the pregnancy. We had a we had an ultrasound on a Friday afternoon, and we got to see some just some really amazing stuff. Everything looked great, and everything was healthy. Everybody was healthy. Um, and then two days later, uh, came home after church on a Sunday, and. Uh, Sarah and I were just hanging out and, uh, she, uh, we were on the couch and she stood up and, and then she kind of looked at me and she's like, Oh God, I think I, I think I just peed myself. <laughs> I mean, just these crazy things that pregnancy does to you. And, um, so she, uh, she went to the restroom and, 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 and then that, that continued to happen. And, and we were, it didn't, something didn't seem right. And so we uh, went into the labor and delivery and, uh, she, she got examined and, uh, yeah I was just sitting there next to her, and the doctor came over and said, You know was sort of explaining things in the way that in the ways that doctors do and and then all of a sudden she ended it with and if that's the case, then we'll have to terminate the pregnancy um, hmm. and I mean nobody ever expects to hear those words. We were kind of confused uh there wasn't really uh there's still we never we never got a really a good explanation as to really what happened it was just um Uh, One of of her bags of water broke, and and at that point, there was was really nothing to to do. Um, So we spent the rest of the day there. Uh, Later that night, um, they began the process to induce labor, and uh, the the next morning, our two twin sons were born. Micah uh, came first. Uh, He weighed about 10 ounces, Uh, and then Judah uh, was the second, and he weighed about 8 ounces. They were born uh, breathing, and they were alive. They lived for about an hour.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you were able to to hold them and meet them.
1: Yeah, we we spent about three hours with them. Um, just yeah, spending that time holding them, kissing their foreheads, looking at their. I mean, I mean, they were. You know, they had all their fingers, they had all their toes, just tiny, tiny little fingers. Um, their eyes uh, were, weren't open yet, but, um, but we spent that time with them. We had uh, a pastor at the church that I was working at. Uh, she came and we had them baptized. And so, yeah, I mean, we spent about three hours that morning uh, with them. And 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 saying yes to the nurse when she asked if we were ready to for her to take them away was probably one of the hardest things we've ever done. Um, and then, and then Sarah had some of the procedures that she had to get done, and so we spent the. It was about the rest of the day we spent there at the hospital. We were. We'd been in the hospital all day. We we're sick. We were tired of being in there. Um, there was so much paperwork at the end, to you know, just to get discharged, and we were just ready to go. Uh, but at the same time, we didn't want to leave the hospital because that's where our kids were, um, and we knew that as soon as we left, we were uh, leaving them. And uh, so that was uh, that was October twenty fifth of twenty ten one of the most difficult days we've, we've experienced.
0: Yeah. An incredibly difficult experience (laughs) to lose children. And um, I'm just aware of the contrast of having that ultrasound on Friday and everything being wonderful. And then just within a very short amount of time, life changing so very quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The contrast of of those two things and, and the confusion for us because, you know, everything looked great and, healthy and, and perfect on Friday. And and then by Monday, our, our two sons had been born and, and, and were dead.
0: What held you together in those first days, those first months?
1: We'd been at the church that we were, that I was serving for about two years at that point. And so, um, and folks had been so excited about, about the, our whole pregnancy and that journey. And so uh, we were supported, you know, really well by folks uh, from that church doing all the normal things that church people do, making meals and stopping by to, to drop stuff off. You know, some good conversations with, with, uh, with one of the pastors there. You know, it, it's, it's really funny. I actually just had someone uh, call me last week who uh, had a good friend who lost a child and they were asking me, you know, if I had any thoughts or recommendations for what they should do. And it's, and it's funny because I, I'm I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not a card a greeting card person. I'm not a, card or flowers person, really. I don't really like buying cards. I, <laughs> I don't often see the point of them uh, until having gone through this, this experience. And so the one thing, one of the things that I think really, really helped me was just getting cards and flowers. There was something about having our home filled with the smells and the colors of the flowers and reading, uh, reading notes and prayers from people who, who we knew well, others who we didn't know as well. And anyway, you know, and we still we still have many of those many of those cards. We have a memory box that's filled with all of the things that are associated with with Micah and Judah. And the, we bought some outfits uh, for them when we found out we were pregnant in Hawaii. And, and so we have this box that's just filled of all those things that were given to us. I think I think the other thing was really the support of of people online through Facebook and Twitter. I actually went through and took screenshots of my Facebook wall because I wanted to save those those memories. You know, there were thousands of people who left uh, comments and prayers, and people who we knew and people who we didn't know. It was just it was just amazing to see that kind of online community really really reaching out uh, to us.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you is you've you've been very public about this process and it it sounds like that has brought a tremendous amount of support and um, I wonder if there've been any challenges that have, that have gone along with sort of telling this story so openly.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean like days, days after, it might've been just, you know, the first day or two after, I knew that I had to have an outlet to process this. And, And just because of, my history with blogging and my my own desire to to, to lead a very transparent life uh, online with folks uh, going going back to that website that had been been created <laughs> with with this idea of of joy and excitement, um, having that be a place for me to process my grief became the most uh, natural thing for me to do. And, and you're, as you mentioned, you know there have been a lot of benefits. To that um, and just getting a chance to provide a space for myself to, to process that grief, but since then you know I, I still get I still get e- uh, emails from from men and women uh, fairly regularly who have um, who have lost children and, and, and their desire to reach out and find people to talk with about that um, so there's a lot of really really good things about that the challenges uh, you know I, there haven't actually been too many I, I will say that one thing a lot of times with with dealing with people who are suffering through grief people just people just say a lot of stupid stuff and it's not their fault uh generally uh you know they they're trying to they want to be helpful they want to offer uh comments or support and, and and sometimes people just say stuff that just doesn't need to be said <laughs> um you know I, I ran into someone a month or two after we lost the boys and they had read some stuff and and uh she was trying to be comforting and reminding me of the fact that you know gosh you know we we have Jesus, and Jesus will take care of us and and she said to me, she said gosh, you know that's that's hard w- what you went through is hard but but not devastating because you have jesus and i just I just looked at her and and uh, you know I smiled and walked off, but man, <laughs> getting comments like that was uh, were not helpful, and I think yeah. It's also kind of a challenge is simply the fact of, you know, because I do get so many emails from folks, you know, I, I, it's a it's an honor to be invited into other people's stories as well. But it always brings me back to my story and it always brings those feelings back up. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: How has your grief changed over time?
1: <sighs> yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I'll, I'll answer that by... Uh, by referring first to uh, there's a there's a movie up called Rabbit Hole and you may have seen that um, Nicole Kidman plays a, a mother and who's lost a son and it kind of walks through her process of grief and uh, there's this scene which I which I have w- watched numerous times and I watched this movie shortly after losing the boys which was maybe not a great idea <laughs> things were still a little a little raw then um, but she's carrying all the all of her son's belongings down to the basement. And uh, she asks her mom, uh, does, the, does it ever go away? Does this feeling ever go away? The, the response that the mom gives is just it's just perfect. I have it written down in kind of a, a list of quotes that I have about grief. And so I just, I'll just read it, read it for you and then I'll uh, share my own thoughts. Uh, her mom replies to her and she says, she says, I don't know. The weight of it, I guess. At some point it becomes bearable. It turns into something you can crawl out from under and carry around like a brick in your pocket you forget it every once in a while but then you reach in for whatever reason and there it is oh right that which can be awful but not all the time sometimes it's kind of not that you like it exactly but it's what you have instead of your son so you don't want want to let go of it either so you carry it around and it doesn't go away which is fine I love that idea. of, You know, I'll never be through with my grief, with the journey of my grief. My son's lives will always uh, be with me in the in the journey that we went through with them. It, but it changes, and sometimes it's sometimes it feels uh, more unbearable than others. Sometimes it feels uh, lighter. You know, I, I think for me, the the times that it creeps up on me, and one of the one of the hardest things about about at least the process and the stage of grief that I'm in now is is, um, you know, sometimes I'll be having this wonderful, wonderful moment with Caleb and and we'll be laughing or, or just it'll be a really sweet, precious moment. And the thought comes into my mind, uh, if Micah and Judah had lived, Caleb wouldn't exist. And I can't even fathom not having Caleb in our lives. And so that really <laughs> that really messes with me. And that really messes with my head, and and trying to figure out how all that works out. But you know, we we uh, we continue on, and we have different ways of that we keep uh, Micah and Judah uh, alive in our in our lives. And you know, Christmas, we have ornaments with their names on it on the tree, and we always go through that memory bo- box on the anniversary of their death.
0: How do you imagine talking with Caleb about his brothers? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I thought about that a lot and, and I, I haven't done a whole lot of, you know, reading into kind of when is an appropriate time to share that and all that kind of st- all those aspects of the conversation. But I mean, I, it's really important to me that he that he knows that he has uh, two brothers and um, and that they were wonderful and that they were uh, beautiful and that they were loved by mom and his dad. Um, but they just didn't get they didn't get as much time uh, as as Caleb does. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that conversation will, will go, but yeah, I mean it's it's definitely important to me for him to know uh, about those about his brothers.
0: And you have you have cl- clearly welcomed him with a tremendous amount of joy. I wonder what he's what he's teaching you. Maybe what he's teaching you about yourself.
1: I mean I think part of it is is just to really enjoy those those precious moments that life offers uh you know like I guess our lives are busy right now and being a being a dad and being a pastor and doing a lot of other stuff on the side um, I tend to run through my day and um I I tend to get a little, a little frantic. Uh, Sarah often asks me, "Are, are we getting into frantic Adam mode? And when, when I'm in frantic Adam mode, I'm not a fun person to be around. Um, and so I think the, the encouragement from Caleb is to just slow down, even though, don't get me wrong, he's a toddler now and he, he is running around like crazy, but there are those times when we just, uh, just slow down to enjoy those precious moments. And, And, uh, whether it's a, whether it's a hug or just a few minutes of cuddling in the middle of the night or, uh, sitting down to watch him uh, play with Legos or stack cups, you know, he'll, he'll put a Lego on top of another one. And then look at me with this, just a smile of satisfaction and start clapping for himself. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I think it's just, it's just that encouragement to embrace those, those moments. Um, and I and I think you know I mean having a kid teaches you a lot about patience and that's not something that's necessarily one of my spiritual gifts. You certainly get a lot of chances to to, to practice that. So I think that's been that's been something as well. Um,
0: has anything surprised you about who you've become as a father? Like, have you discovered sort of new parts of yourself?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know if this is ne- this is necessarily surprised me, but I love just. I love just being goofy with him and just, and just laughing and, and, and seeing how much, uh, how much joy that he has. Um, I sure, I'm sure you're familiar with the song Little, Little Bunny Foo Foo. Um, I am, yes. Well, th- at some point um, when Caleb was younger, uh, when he would just absolutely be beside himself screaming and just losing it and we couldn't figure out anything at all to do, uh, Sarah would sing that song and for some reason singing that song would, would calm him down. Uh, but then after, after a while this stopped calming him down and we had to think of something else. And so, um, I actually have a full, uh, choreographed dance that I do to little buddy Fufu while Sarah is singing it to him. And, um, yeah, I don't know that that's necessarily something that I thought I would have, uh, in my, uh, in my toolbox of dad tricks, but, um, it I, I just did it again with him last night while Sarah was trying to cut his uh, fingernails and he is just mesmerized by my um by my dance moves
0: by your foo foo dance by
1: my foo foo dance
0: so if there's any video of that i'm i think probably my listeners would be all over that
1: uh, yeah there, uh, there's not um but that doesn't mean that there won't be in the future so
0: <laughs> will send me the link I will. <laughs> oh so um you are a Princeton-trained theologian and minister and a leader in the emerging church. So you've done a lot of study and thinking about the nature of God. And I'm curious if there's been any, any re-education or if becoming a father has um, maybe taught you about God or helped you experience God in a different way.
1: You know, I think as a, as a father now who has lost children— and, 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 now uh, that, that grief and, and suffering, I think is, is something that I've experienced in a pretty profound way. I think it's changed the way, changed the way that I think about God in the midst of suffering. And that's, you know, isn't that, I mean, that's one of the biggest questions. Uh, where is God in the midst of suffering? Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? And it's, you know, it's a question that of course there, are, you know, many, many classes in college and seminary on that very topic, you know, and there's, and, and when you're in a, place of the theological study you know. there's always, you know, you get into the nitty gritty and it's like, okay, does God allow things to happen? Does God cause things to happen? Does God simply let something happen? And, 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 and I think more and more now that having gone through loss, I'm just more and more less interested in the whole, you know, who causes it or lets it happen or, you know, suffering is life. Uh, life is suffering. And I don't think there's any way of getting around that. And, and I don't, I don't really care to be too concerned about um, trying to figure out why uh, suffering happens or where it comes from. It just is. And, and mine and having gone through my experience now, I think I have a better sense of where God is in the midst of suffering and, and there's, and that God is absolutely with the person who is suffering and, and suffering alongside rob bell just came out with a new book uh called what What we talk about when we talk about god and his whole thesis of the book is that god is is with us and for us and ahead of us and i feel like i i feel like that's i think that's what i felt like in my grief that god was 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 absolutely with me uh and was for me during that time and 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 also was ahead of me There, there were glimpses of of hope and and what would what would lie ahead, and that God was there waiting waiting for me, but yet also somehow there with me at the same time uh, in that grief. I I think that's one of the biggest things, at least as a father who's lost children, that I've kind of changed my ideas on in terms of uh, the whole idea of God and suffering. And I think I think being a dad, um, I felt it I felt it first with with Micah and Judah. Um, I was very nervous about being a dad, and especially with twins and not knowing if I was. Uh, Going to be able to, to hack it, uh, but the moment that I held uh, Mike and Judah, I, I had this deep, deep sense of of just a, a profound love and care for them, and I and I see that playing out, uh, you know, as well with with Caleb uh, in different ways, and and I think being able to have that experience and feel that feeling and that emotion gives me a, a glimmer of of an idea of about what God must experience for, for each of each of God's creations. So those are, yeah, you know, those are the two things that I think of.
0: It's, it's been interesting to ask this question to, you know, to lots of different parents. And, um, you know, I am fortunate to know some, some really smart, um, well-trained theologians, psychologists kinds of people. And, there's seems to be the sense in which parenting really brings it to this whole other level, like all of the reading and study and Mm. cognitive understanding that people have just shifts Mm. when you have these little people in your arms.
1: Yeah. I think it puts everything in perspective too. (laughs) You know, I mean you can have, you can have just a horrible day and be stressed out and worried and concerned about the future and, all the unknowns that are going on. And when you come home and you are holding that little boy or that daughter of yours, I mean, there's, it, it does. It puts, it puts everything in perspective.
0: Well, when this little boy that lives in your house, little Caleb, is all grown up when he's ready to go to college or travel the world or begin his own ministry, whatever is in store for him. What do you hope he will say about you and about the role that you played in his life?
1: Hmm. i guess I guess I hope that he would um, feel like he was taught how to be kind. Um, I hope I can teach him a lot of other cool things as well and 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 I'm certainly you know myself always. On a journey of learning how to be more kind as well but but you know if, if he felt that he had really been taught how to be kind and care for others, um, I think that would be a great thing uh, I, I I think that that he would be able to say that his parents really created a, a safe space for him to figure out who he was and and what he believed about God and spirituality and all of that that he didn 't feel like. Uh, that he was you know force fed the right answers or the certain ways of belief but just that he he was given space to really become uh, become the person that God uh, wants him to be i don't i don't want him to ever ever wonder even for a second uh, uh he was loved or not and so f- for for him to know without a shadow of a doubt that he that he was loved by his dad and his mom uh, i think that's probably the most important thing he's probably not always going to like us, <laughs> but for him to have that sense that, um, that, that, that we really love him. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the end of my prepared questions. Is there anything else that you want to add? Anything that, that feels unfinished?
1: No, I think, you know, <laughs> I wish I had some some deeper nuggets about uh being a father and and uh and all of that but gosh you know I, I feel like I'm just learning things on the fly and uh and and messing up a lot and uh probably doing the wrong things a lot too but um but it's it, it's crazy I mean it's a fun it's a fun journey to be on and and I'm glad to be able to do it with uh Sarah my wife and and have Caleb uh, be, be a willing guinea pig and uh hope, <laughs> i hope you know i mean i mean he's you know my my wife is also uh, uh certified ready to be ordained as a minister and so he i mean he has the potential of being a pastor's kid two times over and so uh you know we're already having to think of ways to save up for his therapy uh
0: in, <laughs> in the future
1: but but hopefully he'll he'll remember that we love him even if we uh, might have messed him up a little bit
0: that's probably the best any of us can do i think so <laughs> well, Adam, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with me and, and do the interview.
1: <laughs> it was fun. I appreciate, I appreciate your questions. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a good time.
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Parenting Reimagined. If you liked the interview, I recommend that you check out Adam's blog at dazedad.com. To keep track of what's going on on this podcast, don't forget to sign up for our mailing list, which you can do at our website, ParentingReimagined.org, or you can like us on Facebook. Thanks so much for listening to Parenting Reimagined. In honor of Adam and his family, I leave you with this little ditty so you too can work out your own foo-foo dance.
1: Up the field mice and popping them on the head Down came the good fairy and she said
0: Bonnie Foo-Foo, Bonnie Foo-Foo I don't want to see you scoop No, 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 no. Bonnie Foo-Foo, Bonnie Foo-Foo I don't want to see you scoop I'll give you three more chances And if you don't behave Then I'm going to turn you into a goon. But the next day... Forest, scooping up the field mice and popping them on the head Down came the good fairy and she said
1: Bonnie foo-foo, Bonnie foo-foo I don't want to see you scoop No, 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 no Bonnie foo-foo,
0: Bonnie foo-foo I don't want to see you scoop I'll give you two more chances And if you don't behave Then I'm going to turn you into a goo But the next day and popping them on the head Down came the
1: good fairy and she said Bunny Foo-Foo, Bunny Foo-Foo I
0: don't want to see you scoop No, 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 no Bunny Foo-Foo, Bunny Foo-Foo I don't want to see you scoop I'll give you one more chance and if you don't behave then I'm going to turn you into a goon But the next day bunny Foo-Foo hopping through the forest Came the good fairy, and she said.
1: Bonnie, foo, foo, Bonnie, foo, foo. I don't want to see you scoop. No, no,
0: no, 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 no. foo, foo, Bonnie, foo, foo. I don't want to see you scoop. I gave you three chances, and you didn't behave. So now I am going to turn you into a goon. And she did.